0: welcome to the podcast of new covenant church in albuquerque where we focus on the bible faith and life issues we hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey now here's our message
1: well good morning new covenant thanks for having us we've been looking forward to this day for a long time so Uh, We are thankful that you allowed a couple crazy native-born San Diegans to be here. So just to give you the short uh, testimony of my wife and I, uh, she came to know Christ her freshman year of high school through a couple that just loved her enough to share the gospel. Uh, I came to know Christ the day after my 21st birthday. Um, So that was really through a group called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So i had a guy that was like my best friend all through junior high he and his family faithfully shared the gospel a couple of guys from fellowship of christian athletes did a phenomenal job of answering all the questions that i had about where we came from uh, why do we exist where are we going when we die Uh, i just couldn't continue to buck against what they had been saying without knowing that i was either rejecting the truth that was being confirmed over and over again Uh, or it was time to give my life to Christ. And so I'm so thankful uh, that he pursued us. I will tell you that my wife's story and mine, as far as the theme goes, is the same as yours. God pursues us when we don't pursue him. Uh, I am so thankful that by his grace, he called us into his family, even when we were running away from him. Um, So again, that's the short of a, a long 46 years of life for myself and 44 years for my wife. Uh, We have an 18-year-old daughter who we're shipping off to Grand Canyon University in about four weeks. We have a 15-year-old daughter who is going into her sophomore year of high school. And I will tell you the biggest blessing about those two young ladies is that they genuinely love Jesus. So as parents, there's nothing that gets Daddy and and, and Mom's heart more excited than seeing our girls just actually and totally in love with Jesus. So uh, that being said, my greatest passion Uh, is to see people come to know Jesus and those that already know him grow in their walk with him, that we rightly divide the word of truth, that we rightly understand the word of truth. And I hope and I pray that each time you open up your Bibles, you understand what you're holding in the palm of your hands. Um, People will often ask, Pastor, do you get nervous about preaching in front of people? It honestly doesn't make a difference to me if it's five people or 5,000. What makes me nervous is the preparation the week before, knowing that what we're holding in our hands is the actual Word of God. We're talking about a book that took about 1,500 years to be written, 66 different books, 40 different authors on three continents in three different languages, and yet from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22, we've got one overarching and overwhelming theme, and that is the kingdom of God and the king that reigns in that kingdom. His name is Jesus, and that's who we serve. Um, and that's who we worship this morning. So... I'm going to ask you to do this, you might hate me right off the bat, but as we're getting ready to dive into Luke chapter 9, we're about to take a look at the words of the king. Y'all have been going through a, a series called Red Letters. Uh, this is in a very important series because you're talking about the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, stepping down into his creation and then coming and teaching the very ones that he made. And then he lives for the ones that he made, he dies for the ones that he made, and then he rises again. For the ones that he made. And now we get to read the very words that he spoke. Uh, again, God in flesh, together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, this is a hard message to do. And the reason that it's hard is that I'm jumping into the middle of Luke chapter 9. I'm typically used to preaching through books of the Bible. The way the Bible was written is it was written to be read like a novel and not so much like an encyclopedia where we choose topics. So I do want to make sure that we have the context of Luke chapter 9. Really, the context of the book of Luke is that Luke introduces us to the God-man in flesh, greatest also servant in the world who came and died for us when he didn't have to. If there's anybody in all of the world that didn't deserve to die, it was Jesus, and yet he chose as God to take on flesh and to die for us. From Luke 1 to Luke 9, I'm going to give you the super fast version of what's going on in the book of Luke. We already see the pursuit of God after his people. We see God in flesh born in Luke chapter 2. We see that he is the one who comes and pursues us. And what is amazing about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is that religion, and many of all have probably been exposed to religion, false religion, teaches that man has to work his way to God. You've got to earn your keep. You've got to do something in order for God to love you and to accept you into his kingdom. Jesus comes on the scene and teaches something quite different. I made you. You rebelled against me. Because of your sin, you have absolutely no hope of ever entering into heaven unless you are perfect. Well, if we stop there, hopefully we all recognize that none of us are perfect. If we think we're perfect... You're deluded and prideful, and you've got a sin issue. So there you go. So we're all on an equal playing field. We've all got issues, and we all need to be saved from our sin. We cannot save ourselves, because God's standard is absolute perfection. So Jesus comes on the scene. He says, I tell you what, I'm going to come. I'm going to live the perfect life, die the perfect death, and rise again at the perfect resurrection and i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to transfer my account to yours i'm going to take all of your sin upon myself and i'm going to give you my righteousness so that one day when you die you can stand before my father in heaven and listen to this probably the greatest news you're ever going to hear he no longer sees dave to shop or whatever your name is fill in the blank he now sees jesus christ and that's why you get to be in heaven with him forever okay Without going any further, let me take you to Luke chapter 9. And again, we are reading the words of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And oftentimes what they would do is when a king would come into town, all of the subjects, just out of respect for who he was, would stand up for the king. Would you all mind, if you're capable, would you stand with me just as we read Luke chapter 9? We're just on verses 23 through 27, so you won't have to stand long, I promise. But Luke chapter 9, Jesus comes on the scene, and again, he's been giving uh, a lot of healing. He's been given a lot of teaching. And Luke chapter 9 is kind of a flip point in the book of Luke because Jesus says, yes, I've been pursuing you, and I love you, and I'm healing you, and I'm raising the dead, and I'm giving sight to the blind, but now I'm going to tell you what it costs to follow me. And this is the part of Scripture that oftentimes preachers don't like to preach because a lot of people might go, Okay, well, if this is what it might cost to follow Jesus, I'm out. Let me just say this. After we read this passage and you see what it costs to follow Jesus, I want to tell you this ahead of time. It's worth it. You and I are going to be dead before we know it. James says life is like a vapor. One minute it's here, the next minute it's gone. You and I get to inherit something far greater than anything the world could ever have to offer. So when we get to heaven and we get to experience those rewards in heaven, you're not going to be sitting, looking back, going, man, I really wish I wouldn't have served Jesus so much. I'll make you that promise right now. So Luke chapter 9, Jesus kind of flips the script on doing all of his healing, doing all of his teaching, and he turns around and he goes, hey, gang, if you want to follow me, here's the deal. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but for whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. You can have a seat. Thanks, King. Again, a couple of things that we see in the book of Luke as far as themes go. One is that Jesus is God in flesh. Don't let anybody ever tell you that Jesus was just a man. Don't let anybody ever tell you that Jesus was just a guru or just another religious leader. He was the creator of the universe. He was God in flesh. If he wasn't, his death on the cross didn't mean a whole lot. But the second theme that we see in Luke is that Jesus, as God, came and paid the ultimate penalty—the one that you and I really should have been paying—and then He comes on the scene and He begins to talk to those that He died for. And now I'm going to ask you to forgive me. We're going to move fast. I'm, I'm actually—I preached through the Book of Luke about ten years ago, and when we got to Luke nine twenty-three through twenty-seven, we actually turned it into a four-week series. So we're going to do in one morning what we did for four weeks. So if you're wondering, Dave, how long are you going to preach, you'll be out by lunchtime Tuesday. So here we go. We are going to begin to cruise uh, through this. Any of you all ever watch Veggie No Veggie Tales at all? In Veggie Tales, they have what they call the big idea. So I I just steal all of my coolest stuff from different places. Well, I, I constantly give our church body what I call the big idea. If you walk away from today with nothing else but this one thought in your mind, here's what I'm hoping that you'd get from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. It's what we call our big idea. And it's simply this. Jesus passionately pursues and calls his people. But we need to be aware that that calling is costly. But Jesus is worth it. He's absolutely worth what he calls us to. Let me begin to break down Luke nine twenty three through twenty seven. In Jesus's day, people would come to a rabbi. They are called Talmidim. It's just another word for disciple, and they would do everything they could to impress the rabbi. They would show him how much scripture they had memorized. They would show them what type of godly living that they were living. Well, Jesus comes on the scene and he flips the whole rabbi Talmidim thing on its head, and he begins to pursue the students. People are probably looking at him going "No, no 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 the rabbi sits on his throne and the students come to him you don't chase people down jesus says yeah but what i'm about to teach you is that people don't pursue god god pursues them if you don't believe me i would challenge you read romans chapters 1 2 and 3 and we will begin to discover quickly that as fallen sinful human beings We don't follow after God. We don't chase after him. In fact, he chases us down when we don't deserve to be in relationship with him. He gives us grace and lavishes it on us when we don't deserve to have it. He gives us mercy when we deserve wrath. Gang, again, I hope that what you're hearing, you begin to recognize, man, God's word is full, not just of good news, but great news. And that gives us reason to rejoice. Let me take you back to Luke 9, beginning in verse 23. Jesus, again, he's speaking to his followers and he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, this morning, what I'm hoping that you'll see is the depth uh, and the richness of God's word, even in just a couple of short verses. The first thing that Jesus says is, if anyone, let me again encourage you this morning with what anyone means. Anyone means that all are welcome to follow Jesus. doesn't matter your background. My wife and I didn't come from saved homes, and yet God called us in his family and then called me into ministry. So your background doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not you're willing to heed the call that the King of Kings has put on your life. Anyone is welcome. Again, I hope that that encourages you. I hope that you know that regardless of whether you are like that prostitute in Luke chapter seven, or whether you were like uh, Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, that nobody wanted anything to do with because he had abandoned his own people to work for the Romans, that regardless of who you are and where you're from, Jesus is calling you to himself, and he's saying, come and follow me. Anyone can follow. There's another thing that anyone means, and it means that there's no prerequisites, and there's no excuses. I don't get to make up an excuse anymore. Sexual past. Jesus says, follow me. Ex-con, inmate, drug addict, alcoholic, hypocrite. Jesus says, come and follow me. Now, that doesn't mean stay in that lifestyle. See, we are completely and totally saved by grace and completely by God's mercy. But then once he calls us into his family, he says, whether or not you're truly following me is going to be known by your fruit. So let's not mix this up. We are completely saved by grace. Nothing that we can do. However, once he calls us into his family, he says, I want you to be a light to the world. And the only way you can be a light to the world is if if you begin to live like I live. So I'm asking you, live like me. Paul spoke to this. In fact, if you want to just keep your finger in Luke chapter 9, but turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you know much about the church in Corinth, they were a mess. So if you think you're a mess, just read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and get really encouraged really fast. You got a bunch of people that are struggling with sexual sin, they're gossiping about each other, they're slandering each other, they're following different leaders and fighting about it, they're suing each other, you name it, they're doing it. And so Paul writes them this letter of correction and he says, gang, and I love how he starts most of his letters, he says, to the saints in Corinth. That word saint or "hagiasmos" literally means a holy one that has been set apart. He said, don't you all realize that you have been set apart for a great purpose? Stop living like heathens. And he said, that if there is somebody in your midst that continues to live an immoral or idolatrous life, here's what you're supposed to do. Again, this is not the part that churches like to talk about. But I think this is something that we have to be keenly aware of. Here's what Paul said. He said, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Sorry, it's 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, swindler. not even to eat with such a one. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? It's not, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, Purge the evil person from among you there are Bible verses that get misquoted a lot one of the top is judge not or you will be judged don't judge me let me say this even if I became your pastor as as your senior pastor if I were to have said something in a condescending way to Jolene, my wife I would hope that one of you men in the room would love me enough to say Dave the way that you just spoke to your wife was not okay I hope, Dave, that you're discipling your daughters and growing them in such a way that they grow up to know what a godly woman is. And if you're not, Dave, you need, to, you need to step it up. Oftentimes, what you hear people do is turn around and say, well, don't judge me. You can't judge me. Keep in mind that that has nothing to do with what Jesus was saying in Scripture when he said, judge not or you will be judged. Jesus' point was that you and I don't get to sit on the throne where God belongs and dictate who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That's, that's his job. And I'm thankful but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we hold each other accountable. We call each other out on sin. But let's be keenly aware of why. It's because we love Jesus and we love each other so much. My daughters know that they bear the last name Deshop. And so wherever they go, they are a reflection on the Deshop family. But you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, bear the name Christian or what means little Christ. We bear the name of Jesus. And so whether or not we uh, exalt his name and lift it up amongst the nations or we pro- profane it and drag it through the mud is a very big deal. So as brothers and sisters in Christ in the same family, we want to encourage each other. And Jesus is going to begin to teach his disciples to do the same thing. Let me take us back to Luke nine twenty three. Jesus, after saying, if anyone, he says, would come after me. I love the words that Jesus uses, come after me means that we are to love and to treasure Jesus above all else if we're going to follow him. In the Greek, those words, come after me, are actually a term of romance. They're used of a man who's pursuing a woman that wants to have an intimate relationship with her. And Jesus said, I don't want you to just look at me as a guru, some distant God, but I want you to be an intimate relationship with me. I want you to know me, and I want you to know me well which I want to stop for just a moment and that begs a question how well do you know Jesus I mean how well do you really know him do you love him I will tell you that I love getting up in the morning and just sitting with our little cheweenie, our little demon dog in my cup of coffee <laughs> and just sitting down and reading the Word of God and it's not just to get smarter which by the way we should be some of the sharpest people on the planet Side note, I don't know if you know this, but truth, the truth of how we got here, why we're here, why we exist, is actually on our side. Science points to the existence of God and that he came as the person of Jesus Christ. Philosophy points to the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he did. So I love getting to sit down and knowing that what we're holding in the palm of our hands is absolute truth. But I also love getting to know Jesus better and better. And the more I get to know him, the more I fall in love with him. And the more blown away I am by who he is and by what a mess I am without him. And the more I realize what a mess I am without him, the more it makes me love Jesus. And so I just love getting into the word of God every single morning. I hope you feel that way about Jesus. By the way, we're allowed to interact together. But did any of you all just love being in God's word? Do you love to worship? Do you love to get to learn about him because of who he is? Three of you just love Jesus. That's ex- go New Covenant. This is exciting. We got some work to do. So I'll re-ask the question. Do any of you all just love Jesus and just love his word? Listen, that's more exciting than the Lobos. Jesus. And God. I'm from San Diego, Padres, and I don't even have a team anymore for football, so there's nothing to be excited about there. But I'm praying that more than anything else, we are excited about Jesus, that he gets us more fired up than anything else on this planet, because he is eternal and we get to spend eternity with him. Going on, Jesus said, if anyone would passionately pursue me or come after me, let him deny himself. And I think we get confused at this point in the passage with deny himself. What does that mean? It actually doesn't mean to deny yourself of certain passions, of certain wants, of certain joys. He's literally saying, deny that you even exist. This is hard for us, living in a self-esteem generation, but I don't know if you know this, my life and your life is really but a small thing. It will come and it will go, and as depressing as this sounds, not long after you die and I die, not a lot of people are going to remember us amen, go to lunch. No. (laughs) What I want you to know, though, is that when you do die and you stand before the Lord, you're going to be in eternity with a Savior that will never forget you. And here's the added blessing behind all of that. If you know Jesus and I know Jesus, we all get eternity together. How awesome is that? So you may be bummed that people are going to forget you when you're gone. But we're going to be gathered together as brothers and sisters in Christ before the Lord. I can't wait till the rapture and we get our new bodies, because I keep telling my wife one day I'm going to be smoking hot. <laughs> we won't care as much because it won't be about marriage anymore, but it's going to be awesome to be in heaven with the Lord. and. As of right now, it's probably a good idea that we begin to take ourselves off the throne, not worry about our lives, deny that we even exist and just worship Him, because guess what we're going to be doing for all of eternity? It's going to be all about Him and worshiping Him. There's a word that the Apostle Paul and many of the other writers of Scripture use a lot to identify themselves, and it's the words doulas de Christos, literally means slave of Christ. Most of our Bibles don't translate the word slave into slave. They usually use servant or bondservant. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, I love what they do with that. They actually use the word slave. Let me just give you a few for instances. Romans chapter 1, Paul says he's a slave of Christ Jesus and an apostle singled out for God's good news. In Philippians 1, he says Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Titus chapter one, he says, Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus. James identifies himself. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter in second Peter says, Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And then the apostle John in the book of Revelation says the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his slaves what must quickly take place. He, he sent it and signified it through his angel to his slave John. Again, the verbiage that the authors of Scripture use is an interesting choice because many would abhor or just hate the word slave. But just to make sure that we're clear, back in that day especially, oftentimes slaves would sell themselves to the slave owner because the owner would take care of them. The owner would make sure that they had shelter, that they were fed. But again we don't like the term slave because a slave has no rights a slave has no possessions of their own in fact a slave doesn't even have a personal identity they take on the name of the slave owner but let me stop for just a moment and tell you about my master his name is jesus it is a blessing to turn over all my rights to jesus it is a blessing to turn over all my possessions to jesus and it is a blessing to bear the name of little christ and no longer have my own identity. That's a good thing. Guy named Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan and in it he says Jesus invites you to deny yourself. He invites you to be a slave, but as a slave, may I tell you about my master. My master will provide for you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can take care of your needs. My master will protect you. He speaks and even the wind and the waves obey him. My master has the power to forgive sins. If being a slave to sin has left you broken and bruised and you find your life in pieces, my master can take the pieces of your life and turn them into a beautiful mosaic. If you're worn out and exhausted, my master gives rest to those who are weary and heavy burdened. And one more thing, when you become a slave to my master, he makes you his son, he makes you his daughter, he calls you his friend. What a blessing it is to be a slave to that master. And if I can just give you a side note, every single person that exists on this planet, approximately all 7 billion of them, are slaves to something. The question is, what have we chained ourselves to? Prayerfully, it's to the Lord Jesus. Let me finish this out. He finishes with saying that if we're going to follow him, if we're going to come after him, we have to deny ourselves and then take up our cross and follow him daily. What does it mean to take up our cross daily? It means that the follower of Jesus says that pain, persecution, and even death are worth it because of who Jesus is and because of what he is capable of. The cross was brutal. What Jesus went through with having one and a half inch blunt nails driven through his wrists and his feet after he had been whipped with what we call a cat of nine tails 39 times where his back was so shredded that his organs were most likely exposed, where his face was so badly swollen that we're told that he couldn't even be recognized as a human being. He went through all of that for us. And yet what looked like God's defeat, what looked like the Son of God's greatest moment of weakness was actually the greatest moment of strength. There are five things that happened at the cross that make the cross beautiful. One is while the cross represented defeat, God turned it into victory. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God defeated sin and death? He turned it into victory. Where the cross represented guilt, because remember, only the guilty went to the cross. God turned it into grace. The cross was the most humiliating of all things. While they were being crucified naked up there and everybody was watching them and they were exposed to the elements, God turned it into exaltation. Because of who Jesus is and what he did, he has the name that is above every name. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the one that every person in all of creation will bow down to one day. That's our Jesus. That's the one that we serve. While the cross represented pain and suffering, Jesus turned it into healing and he turned it into hope and lastly where the cross represented death God turned it into life is there something in your life right now that you just feel like is dead well if God could overcome actual death he didn't have a problem overcoming what's going on in our lives and by the way you want really good news you and I physically we're gonna die you're like how's that good news Well, that's the moment I get to be with the Lord so one way or another we're either gonna die or get raptured out of here and I will tell you as you look around and you think man this world is going crazy you're right it's going crazy in fact even churches and denominations are massacring the Word of God so we got to make sure that we continue to preach and teach the Word of God share it with everybody that you meet do you know that hundred and twenty four thousand people are gonna die today so from now until about 11 o'clock tomorrow one hundred and twenty-four thousand people are going to cross over into eternity you could very well lay eyes on one of those folks today we don't know what their number is we don't know what our number is so let's share the gospel let's tell them the good news of who jesus is with every person that we meet everywhere we go today we got a few hundred people Right now, sitting in this room, that God is saying, I want to use you to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. And if you're wondering, what could God possibly do with New Covenant? Look what he did with 12 misfits. He went and changed the world with 12 yahoos. And he wants to do the same with New Covenant. Listen, gang, if this is a church full of people that love Jesus, do you know what God is capable of through this church? Not because of who we are. But because of who he is. Again, I don't want to conjure up false emotion, but I hope that you are truly fired up about who your Savior is. I hope you are truly fired up about Jesus being God in flesh and wanting to do mighty things through New Covenant Church. You got about 560,000 people in the town of Albuquerque that's a lot of people to reach for jesus in just the the short four days that we've been here we have discovered that there are a lot out of that five hundred sixty thousand that need jesus desperately so let's go bring him everywhere we go amen Amen. can i pray for us lord jesus we come before you and we just thank you lord for who you are Uh, we recognize that you are king of kings we recognize that you are the lord of lords you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and yet Lord you stepped into your creation and Lord you died for us you rose again for us and Lord we can't wait till you come back for us Lord we so look forward to that blessed event where you call us home where we get to be with you whether that be via our death or via the rapture one way or another we know that the promise of your word tells us that we get to be with you forever in heaven And Lord, we come before you and we confess and we admit that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve heaven. And yet, Lord, you give it to us anyways. And so, Lord, we are so thankful. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray together. Amen.
0: This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.